What is up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley here with the Scale Up Show. I have an awesome guest on today. I got Kyle Tut, who is the founder and CEO of Pinata, which is like an NFT-based SaaS product. Really pretty sweet what he's doing. He's been involved with blockchain since 2015. Uh, actually shares his step-by-step approach on how to find a technical co-founder as a non-technical person. Also gave some awesome nuggets in terms of building trust over an extended period of time with a hard audience to crack that's highly skeptical. So you're not gonna wanna miss this, check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Kyle Tut. Kyle is the founder and CEO of Pinata, which is an NFT SaaS company. Kyle has a background in blockchain development, has worked with various enterprises, banks, and blockchain startups, dating all the way back to April of 2017. Uh, also resides in Nebraska and was previously the operations crew chief at RaceNote where he's responsible for developing management processes and metrics for product. Kyle, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. So real quick, so everybody has a context before we get into your backstory. Um, let's walk through a real quick revenue rundown in terms of where you're at in the stage of the journey. So where are you at in terms of your ARR? Yeah, absolutely. So we uh, are currently north of uh, $5 million in ARR as a Series A company. Okay, awesome, man. And then what's your primary go-to-market strategy that you have in terms of revenue growth? Yeah, so the majority of our revenue comes from developers that are building with our APIs. So they uh, build and integrate our APIs into their NFT projects or marketplaces. Uh, And the way that we go after them is by uh, basically blogging. Uh, So teaching them technical content or talking to them uh, through our blogs with technical content and by actually going to uh, these things called hackathons where a lot of developers end up hanging out. Um, developers are much different than kind of traditional um, business relationships or uh, you know kind of consumer relationships where it is a lot more hands-on um, and you do have to uh, build relationships with them over time and we're we're not running things like, uh, you know, Facebook ads or or Twitter ads directly at developers. We do have to, um, you know, have closer relationships with them. Oh yeah, you got to build that trust up. Um, always looking for more information. I was looking at the personality types. If you look at it on this profile, developer uh, trust type is resonated in a lot of information. So that makes sense that you do that. What's your sure. team size, man? Yeah. So right now we are a team of forty-five, uh, fully distributed. Okay, awesome. Fully distributed. And then you mentioned you were Series A, so you are definitely funded. How much was your your round for? Yeah, so our seed round back in April of 2021 was three and a half million. And then our our Series A ended up being 18 million. Nice, man. Congrats on the the dinero to make some uh, growth happen. So yeah, thank you. So let's walk us through, Matt. How did you get to that point? Because you had a pretty accelerated, pretty fast accelerated journey from you know, someone who was in school to it looked like your first job, right? Um, to yeah. next thing you know, you're getting $23 million in funding. Um, how does that whole process happen? And what was your journey on the way? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I had always known uh, that I wanted to build my own company. Um, I always loved telling this story around uh, my mom. So she had um, basically asked what I wanted to be when I when I grew up, and I said I wanted to be a car mechanic. And uh, not that there's anything wrong with being a car mechanic, but my my mom definitely wanted higher hopes. Uh, but what she said instead of saying, "Hey, Kyle, you know, try to be an astronaut instead of a, a car mechanic," she said. Um, Kyle, it's okay if you want to be a car mechanic, just make sure you own the mechanic shop. And so like that concept has always stuck with me and I've always kind of been working my way towards um, being an entrepreneur and, and running my own company. Uh, fast forward to college, you know, I, I was a marketing management entrepreneurship um, majors or however, however that breaks down. Um, and right out of college, I joined a startup uh, in the motorsports uh, industry where we were managing and um, transcribing data associated between the race car driver and the engineers. And through that experience, uh, working at that startup, uh, I was able to get you know uh, exposure to uh, engineering, what software startups look like, um, and really learned quite a, quite a lot. Um, and so as that was happening, as I, as I was working there, getting experience uh, in my first software startup, um, I had grown interested in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, and my thing is like, I've never been a, a trader. Uh, I never wanted to really trade cryptocurrencies or anything like that, but I, I was really always fascinated by the technology. And so in 2015, 2016, I'm learning about it and, um, you know, hanging out on Twitter or Reddit or wherever I was getting my information. And by April of 2017, I was... Um, you know, I felt like this was a perfect opportunity for me to quit my job and, and jump into the space full time. And uh, when I had quit my job to jump into the blockchain and crypto, I, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily have a direction. I just knew, all right, I'll quit my job and then I'm going to figure it out on the way and uh, see see what type of company I end up building um, using this technology and uh, you know, then there's there's a long kind of grind from 2017 to today that uh, you know we can get into, but that's kind of kind of where I came from, um, and then have spent uh, you know a significant amount of time in in 2017, 2018, um, just trying to learn the space, and you know I was doing like consulting and uh, that kind of stuff, and and through all of that is eventually how we ended up with Pinata. Okay, love that man. And I, I did a little research while you're giving me the download. Um, do you remember what the, the price of Bitcoin was in 2015? Uh, I believe it was like 200 bucks or something like that. Somewhere yeah, it was there. like the lowest was at 300. So pl please tell me that you bought some back then. Please tell me you didn't just watch from the sidelines. You had to buy some. Yeah, no, I was I was definitely in uh, crypto. And um, so one of, one of my things is like, I don't really ever talk about prices related to crypto because I do feel... Um, you know, I was I was lucky to to be there in in the space um, at the time, and again, like not a not a trader or anything. So I've I've never been like fascinated by the crypto price itself, um, and have always truly been interested in the space because of kind of the the cool things the technologies uh, unlock, and obviously. Uh, Pinata is um, kind of my my true passion and the thing I care about more so than than the price of crypto. 
Well, that makes sense. That's very admirable. Instead of running around like the uh, the laser with the cat chasing, yeah, exactly. chasing the laser, um, the price, you're working on uh, what they're going to put the stuff on. So um, right. I think that's smart, man, the infrastructure. So um, so yeah, talk, talk us through the grind, man. I know you mentioned it. You're like, yeah, it's been a long grind. There was a consulting. There's a lot of work to kind of get to this point. So would love to hear that story because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening right now or revenue leaders that are going through this path and are trying to figure out, okay, how do I make the jump? How do I become a founder? Um, yeah, yeah. So we'd love to hear that, man. I would love to hear your path. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, when I had quit my job, I had to solve the first problem, which is, um, you know, I'm in a very technical space and I'm a non-technical founder. Um, and so to do that, what I did is I spent a bunch of time going to hackathons. Um, and so, you know, in May of 2017, I jumped on a plane, flew to New York and competed in a blockchain hackathon. And the reason I did that is because I, I needed to understand the technology much deeper than I currently did at the time. Uh, you know, I was relatively, um, you know, still new to the space and, and just didn't have a deep enough understanding from my perspective. So I, I flew there, competed at a hackathon, met a bunch of blockchain engineers that have uh, been my friends since and was able to really understand it at a much deeper level. And I kept doing that all summer. So all summer of 2017, I kept going to these hackathons. Uh, but I had another problem, which is uh, I was pretty lonely in Omaha, Nebraska, and I needed a co-founder and they needed to be technical. Uh, and so what I did is I started the blockchain meetup group in town and that grew to something like four or 500 people. And my co-founder, Matt, uh, who's co-founder and CTO was one of the first people um, to reach out to me. And uh, we were talking about this the other day in our company, actually. And uh, he was talking about, like, he reached out and he's like, hey, I'd, I'd love to be a part of this blockchain meetup group. Like, how many people are are in it or whatever? And it's like, it's it's just me. I'm, I'm the meetup group right now. And, you know, it, it grew to 500 people. But when he first reached out, it was literally just me. So, um, but we got, we ended up getting drinks and uh, I was like, hey, you should come with me to these hackathons. Like, there's something really cool uh, happening out here. And so we went to a hackathon together. Um, and that hackathon is actually where uh, an NFT project called CryptoKitties had launched. And CryptoKitties is really the first um, example of NFTs. And so this is all the way back in uh, November of 20, October or November of, of 2017. And so uh, NFTs and Matt and I's story really kind of uh, have have been connected all the way through. But at that time, we hadn't started Pinata or or anything yet. So uh, you know, I convinced Matt to quit his job. Uh, he was a software developer at a um, a dev shop in town. Convinced him to quit his job, and uh, you know, we started a consulting company where we're consulting building blockchain applications. Uh, for other people and, and just kind of, you know, trying to figure it out. So, and through all of that experience going to, to hackathons and um, doing some of this consulting work uh, is how we ran into the problem that Pinata eventually solved. Um, and that is that storing data on chain is, is way too expensive and you need to store it somewhere else. And so really, uh, you know, our journey was based on, uh, all right, we want to be in this space. We we think it's real. We think it's going to be you know a lot of fun. It has a lot of opportunity. Uh, we're relatively um, you know kind of newbies to it, and we need to uh, make sure that we elevate our 
education and understanding of that. And the way we did that is by going to these hackathons and, and consulting and, and doing stuff like that. So it was really around just kind of showing up and placing ourselves in, in different areas. And, and eventually you kind of find your way after that. That's awesome, man. I love it that you you met your co-founder. He's the, he's the first person in your meetup group. That's uh, <laughs> that's an amazing yeah. story. <laughs> so props to you for just taking action, though. You know, especially being as as young as you were at the time, and yep. not even being really highly competent at what you're doing. You just figured it out. So I absolutely love that, man. Um, yeah, and um, in the like one thing I would touch on there is at least in Omaha, but I think generally in most places, not, you know, like Silicon Valley or maybe even New York is like, as a non-technical person, it is difficult to um, figure out how to meet technical people. Like that is, I think that is a barrier that a lot of people um, run into. And so, uh, you know, I, again, just put myself in a place where a lot of technical people would be um, you know, you don't, you don't go to a business meeting or a business meetup group to meet technical people. You need to go to a technical meetup group, uh, to meet technical people. And, uh, I think that's something that could be, could be super helpful for people if, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to start a, a tech startup and they may not be technical or, or know anybody immediately in their surroundings that are technical. I think that's, that's strong advice. So besides hackathons, I mean, what other kind of technical meetup groups would you recommend? Yeah. So any of the, um, the, depending on the languages. So like what I would recommend is like figuring out that there's like different languages out there. Um, and it's not necessarily your, your job to know which language is best for whatever application you're building. But, um, typically they will kind of congregate around different languages or maybe, maybe different technologies. So like, you know, a blockchain meetup group is definitely going to be different than a mobile meetup group. Right. Um, and so just trying to figure out you know, does does the mobile meetup group make more sense for you to to attend? And then once you get there, uh, definitely don't go in, um, you know, trying to sell yourself and like, hey, do you want to start? Do you want to start a company? Like, you need to become friends first, right? Like, you can't just come in and and try to uh, sell yourself and your idea and your company because uh, for technical people, like they they get that every day, um, and so you have to be a lot more authentic about it and. Um, actually want to go on a journey and, you know, ultimately that's somebody you want to start a company with. Um, and so, uh, you know, you have to be a lot more authentic about the way that you're going about it. Okay. I think that's uh strong advice. So how long did that take you? How long did that process take you when you went through that of, uh, trying to find a, a technical co-founder? Um, so you know, I would go all the way back to when I still had a job, I had started going to these meetups because um, I wasn't necessarily going to them because I wanted to find a technical co-founder, but it was, I knew I needed to have relationships with uh, software engineers and developers um, just because it would help me in, in the job I had. So I had, I built up that experience and kind of figured that out um, before I even quit my job. And then, uh, as far as with with Matt, so I started that meetup group in I guess July, um, and I think he ended up quitting his job in like December of of 2017. So you know it was six, five or six months there uh, of us, you know, first meeting, doing meetup. We were doing the meetup groups together. So I was like, hey, 
can you help me like uh, facilitate some of this this content uh, for the meetup group? Um, and then you know going to these hackathons. So we traveled uh, together, and uh, definitely wasn't just you know one one week or something like that. We built up um, camaraderie and, and those types of things over uh, a few months. So what did you do to entice him to quit his job and uh, join you? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I. I showed him that making no money for, you know, a year and a half to two years was was the best route for him. Um, <laughs> no, he he had asked, so he actually had a he had a job offer um, working with a different company, and uh, for blockchain. So like, people were recognizing that um, he was going to these blockchain hackathons and had more knowledge around blockchain than than most did, and so he got a job offer. Um, and he was thinking about taking it and he actually sat down with, um, the CEO of his, uh, dev shop that he was working at and he recommended, he was like, well, if you're going to jump into the space, do you want to like, do you want to like end up owning the company or do you just want ultimately to, uh, you know, just get another job somewhere else and, and work on blockchain and, uh, so ultimately, his his former boss, his former employer, uh, convinced him it was a better idea to to join me and and go figure it out that way. Nice man, well played, well played. So um, I think that that makes a lot of sense the way you did it, and uh, is very because a lot of people don't talk about it. a lot of people. It's just like, hey, someone I went to school with or someone yeah. I used to work with. So I think uh, your strategy is is. Um, very good to to get well, to because it, yeah you get to develop that trust man and it's it is just like i was just problem solving right like there there's two two ways to kind of solve the problem of me being non-technical i could learn how to code uh which was an option right like uh over a two-year time span i definitely could have learned how to code but it that's just not my um you know interest that was not where i was interested i tried coding for a little bit uh it wasn't working for me um and so I, I went the other route, which is like, all right, I gotta, I gotta place myself uh, where they're at. It's like if you wanted to be a, you know, if you wanted to be a musician in a band, um, you don't go to, I guess, well, what would the example be? As as the singer, you don't go to a singing convention. You go to like uh, maybe a, you know, a where other musicians are that you need to assemble your to assemble your band that's a that was a terrible analogy but um, i get you what know, you mean yeah don't <laughs> don't go where don't go where you think uh uh you can meet people go go where they're at right um that's that's the biggest thing yeah i think that makes a lot of sense um so why didn't you you said you could basically learn how to code yourself you could find someone or why didn't you look at hiring like a um, a fractional CTO or something that with the dev shop, why didn't you go that route? Yeah. So, um, at least in blockchain and crypto, like those weren't really existent then, um, and were difficult to come by. The other thing is like, um, they're an extremely important part of your company. Um, and I don't, I don't really think outsourcing that in the beginning is something you can do. Um, and I needed, I needed somebody who could build with me and we could think the same and, um, you know, approach. I don't think I would have stumbled upon, uh, well, I know I wouldn't have stumbled upon the problem that Pinata ultimately ended up solving because 
at the end of the day, that was actually Matt's problem, right? Uh, we solved one of Matt's problems um, and, uh, you know, uh, a fractional CTO isn't going to be able to provide that uh, number one experience, uh, but also they're not going to give you like ideas like that per se. Um, and so I had ideas in the blockchain and crypto space, um, but, you know, looking back on them, they probably weren't going to work. Um, and so that is kind of why we went the route we went. Awesome. <clears throat> I love that. Um, and once again, it wasn't something that I thought we were going to talk about today, but it's it's an awesome story and a, yeah. a great insight. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. Shifting gears a little bit, like, what would you say is your single best strategy for growing the company right now? And um, would love to hear what your thoughts are in terms of that. Yeah, so it always goes back to our blogs, which I had mentioned. And one of the things that we we realized uh, right when we were starting up Pinata was that um, calling people and talking to them and then writing about what they were talking about was like a really good way to get people interested in um, what we were doing and how to build. Um, mm-hmm. And so ultimately we feel that we have um, we have the best customers in the world uh, and the smartest as it relates to NFTs. And, um, you know, if we talk with them and have conversations with them, uh, you know, we can help them be better, but they're also helping us be better and understanding kind of where the space is going. Um, and so we take, um, you know, conversations we have and, and see new new ideas and new practices that are happening out there. And we end up writing blogs, talking about those concepts and ideas. And um, by doing that, we're, we're allowing other people that, you know, don't have access to, uh, you know, they might not know who that person is or whatever the situation is. And, and we're expanding upon knowledge uh, that is out there so that, uh, you know, in the beginning, NFTs were just images. And then, you know, people were like, oh, what if we do video? And now it's, oh, what if we do apps? And you just kind of keep talking and, and educating uh, about where the space is, where it's going, what the trends are from specifically from a, a technology perspective um, and how do you move that space forward? And then what that's done is it's created a um, kind of a trusted uh, a trusted technical blog, a trusted, um, you know, brand and company in the space that says that that developers trust uh, and think that uh, we can help them kind of move along in the space to whatever the next iteration or, or generation of NFTs are. So uh, to answer succinctly, it's our it's our technical blogs. Okay, that's awesome. And then so how do you tactically execute that? Uh, like in terms of Speaking to them, writing it, like how many people do you have dedicated on your team to turning this into content? Like what's what's the engine look like then once you have the interview? Well, first of all, how do you get the interview, right? And then how do you turn it into tactical content that people find valuable? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, some of them might be our customers. Some of them we might have found elsewhere. Uh, like they were selling their NFT and we were like, oh, this this NFT looks really interesting from a technical standpoint. Uh, we would we would love to just kind of learn more and and write a blog about it. But in the early days, uh, what we were doing was Matt and I would write the blogs. Uh, so it started with Matt and I talking and teaching people um, what we were seeing, what we were experiencing, whether it was at hackathons or through phone calls. Um, and then where we're at today is, you know, we have a team on the technical side uh, of only like two people um, that are ultimately writing these blogs. Um, and so it's it's not a lot, but we we do spend a lot of time on trying to figure out how do we how do we advance the way people think about NFTs um, and how do we you know succinctly give that back to them. Um, and a lot of that is keeping it simple. We're we're really big on not using big words. Uh, while this space is very technical um, and has quite a few buzzwords, we try not to use those. Um, and we try to keep it as simple as possible and use analogies and um, those types of things so that uh, it's very accessible no matter if you've been in the space for five years or if you've been in the space for one day, you can approach approach our blogs and, and learn something from it and hopefully make you successful as a NFT project or marketplace or whatever you are. That's a great strategy. Love that. Um, that's actually kind of a byproduct of what I get from my podcast, actually. Yep. You know, like I told you, like I've interviewed like a hundred SaaS CEOs. So it's like, I'm always hearing like, what's the next version of what's going on, the different go to marketplace strategies. So I love what yep. you're doing on that. Um, sounds like you're leveraging a lot of the same principles that I'm doing. Um, but plus and it is, people. The, and the thing I like about podcasts, but the thing I like about blogs is like, they are long format. Um, and in a world of, you know, short bites of information and, and kind of, um, you know, short attention spans, uh, we're finding a lot of success in our long form content and think that, um, you know, we don't get as many views, so we don't get the vanity metrics. Um, but ultimately we end up seeing it working long term actually much better. Um, and, and we get a much better outsized impact, uh, in the space through long form content. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, um, the second time that's come up with me or come up in I think the last like four or five days, um, I had the CEO of Wistia on. Have you heard of Wistia at all before? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I had the CEO of Wistia on and he was talking about that. He said, actually, um, the percept, the public perception is that short form, short form content has done better. The long form content actually has gone up since yep. the pandemic and went up this year as well. So, um, and he was telling me, oh, this is what he was telling me. He was telling me about how a guy on YouTube, and I can't remember the name of it. But literally, the guy, all the guy does, it's like super dry, but super technical. I'll tell right. you after the show because I don't want to interrupt it while I look it up. <laughs> but basically, he's like, this guy gets millions of views of video. And it's about making sure like your garage is like highly organized and like right. how to do that. Right. Yep. He's like that niche piece of content. It's like two million views. And he's like, yep. he's very slow talking and everything like that. So. Anyways, I will, uh, I'll get to that later. So we're almost up on time. So a quick question for you is what's your single biggest challenge now? Like, I think that's an awesome engine that you have, but what's your single biggest challenge now with growing the company that you're running into? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for us is, uh, you know, in the NFT space, uh, NFT values, uh, are down 99%, uh, anywhere from 90 to 99%, depending on where you're looking. Wow. Um, and you know, 
Pinata as a company is still growing month over month. Um, however, uh, you know, the significant hype uh, and bubble aspect of the NFT space has um, kind of gone away. And so going back to we're always looking for what that next generation of NFTs is going to look like. That is the biggest thing that we're trying to chase uh, is like, where is that next use case going to come from? Uh, we we see inklings of them, um, but, you know, there's there's nothing out there that's just like, oh, yeah, this is this is the next NFT use case. We know this one's going to work. Uh, it's going to become a huge market for us. And so we're, we're out there exploring for that stuff. Um, and that is the biggest challenge from, you know, a growth and revenue perspective is just making sure that, number one, we find, find it, identify it, and then obviously, um, you know, get enough people in that general area to actually use us. If they end up using somebody else or uh, go a different route, obviously that would be a huge loss to us as, uh, you know, they, they have success. We wouldn't be a part of their journey. Um, and we're, we're always looking for those things. Okay. And then what would you say are the top three NFT use cases now currently? Yeah. So like I always talk about it, like um, instead of saying what are the top three use cases, what I do like to tell people is NFTs can represent anything. So a lot of people have mistakenly, um, I believe, just thought of them as assets or collectibles. Um, They think of them like property. Uh, What's interesting is we see kind of a span between NFTs as assets all the way to NFTs as consumables. And uh, a consumable would be something like a, uh, you know, a cup of coffee. You consume that. Like you can buy that cup of coffee for five dollars. Uh, technically, you own it, right? Um, but once you drink it, the value of it's going to zero, um, and nobody's going to buy uh, buy that coffee from you. Uh, and that's a consumable. And we think those are really, really interesting use cases with NFTs. Uh, but I, I would say the the majority narrative uh, does not um, talk about those use cases. And then on the asset side, it's like saying, okay, this is a piece of property, like a piece of land or a house. um, And it's probably going to appreciate over a long enough time horizon. Uh, We think the majority of the space uh, has applied NFTs to that um, and hasn't um, kind of uh, looked at the consumable market yet. And we think all of the, the the interesting use cases are actually going to be more on the consumable side than the asset side. Okay, love that. So g- give me, you get, I know you said the cup of coffee, but like, what are consumable use cases that are out there right now um, that come to mind? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like, uh, and this sounds, this kind of sounds silly uh, when you talk about it, but when when you're just viewing a video on YouTube, like that is uh, that is consumable content. You are consuming a video. Um, But what NFTs are doing with it is saying, okay, uh, content creator, um, you actually get to control the business model behind that, uh, that consumption of videos. Um, And so instead of using YouTube's um, ad network over the top of it, it's saying uh, you manage the distribution, which may or may not be a positive thing, but it it depends. but as long as you can make it so that, you know, YouTube takes 80 to 90% of your revenue, um, while NFTs only take two and a half percent of your revenue, if it's being bought or sold on a marketplace, um, that margin is obviously extremely significant. And so there, there's this kind of inflection point um, between those two business models where it makes more sense for somebody to um, try to uh, sell videos as NFTs instead of sell 
or produce videos on on YouTube and just try to get the ad revenue from it. Um, so that's kind of that's one example. Music is consumable. Uh, we're seeing people where you only get access to music for a certain amount of time and then it goes away. And it's kind of like an exclusive uh, exclusive drop, if you will, um, or any any anything like that or game assets. You only have access to games for a while. Um, and there's there's a certain amount of time that they have access. Okay, that's interesting. So, what do you think? Obviously, the number one barrier with YouTube versus like an NFT right now on the consumable level is the the distribution level, right? So, yep. what would you say? What do you think is the the point where the pendulum shifts? Like, and I, I know I'm asking you to look into a uh, <laughs> a, um, a crystal ball here in terms yeah. of what it is, but like. What do you think will be the tipping point for that shift? Because it, you're right, there's they're making a lot of money off the ads, depending on what it is. Um, so yeah, what, where, where do you think that shift will happen, or what's the potential? Yeah, for that? so um, I don't think it's going to be. Uh, it's not going to be overnight, obviously, and I do think that the shift is actually going to happen by using YouTube or you know name a, a platform out there um, where they're going to be top of funnel. Right. So the best part about YouTube is its top of funnel is amazing. You you have access to effectively the whole world um, and, you know, you can get millions of subscribers, not easy, but relatively easy. Uh, and then the funnel, what they're trying to do, what a lot of these creators do is they're trying to sell T-shirts or they're trying to sell something else to actually make real money because they can't make enough money through just ads. Right. Um, and so that right there we think is where a lot of this conversion is going to happen and then you know once you have a big enough subscriber base that can flip over into your uh whether it's your nft ecosystem or whatever it looks like we think that um that shift will start to happen the other trends we're seeing is at the end of the day um content is being shared differently uh it's being shared a lot more through texts or uh more likely it's in discord now um where is where a lot of conversations happen and it's not in this public social media um forum anymore it's really kind of in these smaller groups and in these smaller groups it's about sharing content in a different way and we think we go much more back to like kind of word of mouth uh dynamics if you will um instead of uh, the the traditional kind of youtube funnels that we have today so we we're seeing trends change in the way that people share uh share content and then try to monetize it and it's just um it's just going to take a little bit of time we think over time uh and then you know at the end of the day it's about do they make more money or not um and so everything i'm saying if, if they don't ultimately end up making more money uh it's not going to become true and they'll just stay on youtube but uh, our our indications are that they will make more money over time. Nice. Well, I can nerd out on this for another hour or so, but I know we're we're up on time. So, um, where can people find you, Kyle? Where can they find out more about Pinata? And then we'll wrap things up, man. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, they can find out about me, Kyle Tut, at on any platform. It's just at Kyle Tut, K Y L E T U T. And then Pinata is at pinata.cloud is our, our URL. And you can check out everything about our company and, and what we do. Love it, man. Well, love what you're doing. Love the insights. Love the twists and the turns of uh, telling us how to find a, a co-founder as being a non-technical co-founder. And then, you know, I think it's really cool what you're doing and just the vision you have on the space, man. So um, really happy to have you on the show. It was a lot of fun. So thanks for being on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Kyle. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.